Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socialising with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think you are doing, you twits? It's cliched and obvious, you know. God, we had to say hello. Well, hello, everyone. Such a good start. <laughs> Welcome back. This is like the second series, kind of. Yes, it is. Isn't it? Well, we had like a one Episode week. Episode 21. Yeah, yeah. We gave you that lovely bonus edition last week to break it up, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it gave yeah. us a rest. But we're back now with a... Um, a new guest and it's uh back back to uh back to work for us yeah and um this is gonna keep going every week and a uh, new person each time and uh who have we got this week verity oh we've crossed sorry i can't speak oh. i would try to say traveled it's very easy and we traveled across the channel didn't we and we've got rachel yeah. roundtree who is a violinist and a broadcaster and just to top it all off she's going to be a journalist too Oh yeah, she's yeah, very great. multi-talented. We didn't actually go across the channel. That no. would have been really good. Oh, it'd be so but, fun. <laughs> um, but we did it. We did it over Zoom, uh, of course. Um, but uh, nevertheless, it was a very nice conversation. It was. And, um, so you, you've known Rachel for a long time. Yeah, twenty right? years. Wanna... I reckon. Twenty years. Yeah, I reckon. So, so like when we were in reception class at school. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ages and ages. So she's been in Paris for the last 10 years. Well, she just moved to Lille, hasn't she? That's where we found her in amongst boxes in Lille. But um, uh, I feel like I've seen her more in the last 10 years when she's been in Paris uh, for all of the time that she was in England before. It's amazing how that works out, isn't it? Yeah, that's nice to know when you when you go somewhere like that, you've got someone to meet up with. Yeah, it's brilliant show you the bits of paris that <laughs> yeah. you uh that they don't tell you in the rough guide quite right all the haunts yeah it's great yeah. um but this is it was excellent because i got a chance to ask her loads of things that if i suppose if i just asked her in normal conversations you think it was a bit weird that i you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> interview styly <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um yeah we had a good chat and um what was i was thinking about maybe we should explain what some of the things are we talked about we mentioned I just thought about you, she says Yubo, and that's that's oh, European yes. Union Baroque Orchestra. That's uh, right. Which um, 
trying to think about other sort of um ORR. Of things. What's ORR. Yeah. That's the Orchestra Revolutionaire A Romantique. Oh, well done. <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> which is, um, that's John Elliott Gardner's orchestra. So he's yeah. got that one, which is, uh, covers the kind of romantic classical side of things. Yeah. Um, and then he's got the English Baroque soloists, which does the more Baroque stuff. That's right. So, um, yeah. So that does those things. I'm trying yeah. to think anything else. You OAE, mentioned. I can do this one. OAE. That's Orchestra on, you know of the Age of Enlightenment, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Very good. There we are. <laughs> um, RPO. We said that one. Now, oh, we did. In, in case one, you then? don't know, that one's the the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Very good. They're quite a well-known one. They are. I reckon you've got that one. I reckon you know if you're doing this in a pub quiz, you could get at least two out of five <laughs> for that round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we want everyone to feel included, you know. We do. We, we don't know who's listening to this. Could be, could be a musician. Could be not. Just could be a fan of, of people talking. Talking. And, uh, <laughs> talking. Well, Just thank like God if you talking. Are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it was so. It was so nice to ask you about those things because actually she had a really well-established career in London before she moved over to Paris, and I right. think that's so interesting because I don't know about you, but the number of times I've said to myself, "Oh, maybe we should just." leave and go and do something exciting somewhere else yeah. glamorous and i think i mean cat park as well she obviously had that move to france although she was a slightly more resistant to tell us about that <laughs> rachel i think is the only person who's actually seen this through and not given up after duolingo hasn't worked out so well for her <laughs> <laughs> yeah um well should we um should we go into the conversation then and then yeah let the listener hear what we what we chatted about uh, well, we we, only, we spoke. It was only a couple of days ago. When was it? Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. What, what day is it now? Uh, it's it's Sunday. right. Hang on. It's Sunday, Sunday now. Yeah. This is coming out on Monday. Yeah. The the thirty. It's bank holiday weekend, isn't it? It of is. August twenty twenty. Um, uh, but just I'm just to put everyone in in context. So when did we talk to her? Because I, I can't remember. <laughs> I think I think it was last Monday. <laughs> was, I know all the days Monday are running Tuesday. into one, like aren't they? <laughs> five days ago. It yeah. was but basically fairly recently. So uh, yes. uh, here we go. This is it. Uh, the chats we had with Rachel Roundtree. How's the move gone? You're in Lille now, aren't you? I am. Yeah, we've left Paris where I've been for like 10 years and um and we've gone to Lille and we've been here since Wednesday. So, yeah. Can't you... really tell you what it's like wow. here. I mean, it's a nice place. We know it a little bit, but uh, at the moment it's just utter chaos. And we're trying to, <laughs> it's been like a kind of, I feel like I've been on like a kind of supermarket sweep of home decoration because yeah. with the grandparents. And we've had like this five day window and Julianne's been away working for some bit. So I've just been like, paint paint like do everything as fast as possible which is a stupid approach because you know you can't have it but yeah so sorry it's a bit a bit chaotic here but lovely are you surrounded by boxes so many boxes my mother-in-law in fact said to me yesterday we did like a little skype and my daughter wanted to see how we were getting on i just heard her in the background be like oh there's still a lot of unpacking to do (laughs) yeah yeah Right. Uh, yeah, I'm doing my best here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, Rachel, I, like, 
I'm really excited because I feel like I can ask you all these things I've wanted to ask you for ages about your life in France. But like, obviously, it would be a bit cringe and weird if I kept doing it to you every time I saw you. So, <laughs> so how long have you been in France actually now? So I, it's been basically 10 years. And, but when I... Yeah, 10 years since I sort of made an official kind of move. I had a couple of years before that when I was kind of going back and forwards between England and France. And then that got, it just got a bit too complicated, even though it's super close. Um, And so, yeah, it's been 10 years, but I feel I don't feel like I don't know how that has happened. Because somebody asked me the other day, they were like, so do you think you're staying in France forever? Because, you know, you've pretty much been here, like, what, 10 years? I was like, no, I haven't. No, not 10. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, not 10. It's nuts. <laughs> God, that's amazing. I mean, wow. that's a massive, must have been a massive move because, like you say, it's not that far away, but, like, culturally, <laughs> did it feel hugely different, didn't it's it? Like full of French people, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, sorry, we're not hoping for the very racist podcast, is that not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I knew I could lead you down that line. God, that's what we've wanted for months. <laughs> oh, kidding! It's full of just the most amazing people. I think I thought with for quite a long time, I just sort of flipped between the two, and I actually thought that it would that I'd have two homes, like one in each country, and I thought that that would work. But actually, it um, it just didn't in the end. Like, hmm. you always don't have something in the other house or I'm just not organised enough <laughs> or not rich enough to have, like, two of everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it just sort of got to the point where it just it felt like neither of them, it felt as though I was a, didn't have a proper home. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, we decided to to make France the home base and that I'd come backwards and forwards to England for work and family yeah. And yeah, like culturally, it, so that's what you asked, wasn't it? Culture. <laughs> <laughs> I think I used the word culture, but don't worry. I was like, <laughs> loosely. <laughs> um, yeah, it has. It is a big change. But I think um, it's just been, it was made so easy by how how nice everyone is and how patient everyone was. Um, sorry, my earphone fell out. Particularly <laughs> in the orchestra where I was working to begin with and where I still work like people just being so patient with me not being able to speak very well and yeah so yeah a big check weirdly I found this move feels bigger somehow yeah really I think maybe because I was like yeah I'll go to Paris for a bit and we'll see how that works out won't that won't probably won't be there in 10 years time and yeah it's like oh my god yeah I'm here I've got two kids and yeah. But somehow really moving to Lille seems seems a bit bigger. Maybe it feels more grown up. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, is it more like a sort of like home? Does it feel like a home for life, dare I say, there? Or? Maybe. Too early to say, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. but who knows? Yeah. Don't commit. It's good. <laughs> so, what, so you were working in London, I imagine, like start at the start of your career. And then did you then just get start getting a few bits of work in, in, in Paris and then and then it kind of tippled tippled over, toppled over <laughs> into tippled. <laughs> tippled. Imagine there was some tipping involved. Um, but is that how it kind of transpired? Did did um did it work out like that? Not really. I um I did a course, like I did um South Bank Symphonia in London. 
Oh, right. And then with Verity. Like Verity. We, yeah, were you together. in the same year? Yes, we were. Ah, right. We did. <laughs> we terrorised that bit of London for a few years. Um, no, yeah, and then the south year. of France and yeah. then Italy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my love affair with France began. Um, yeah, it was... So I finished South Bank and I was kind of looking down a void of thinking, oh, my God, I just didn't know what to... I mean, I was ready, sort of ready to start working, and I was working, but I also knew, I think because I hadn't been to music college, that I felt as though I was playing catch-up a bit, but I also really needed right. to be earning money to stay in London. So I did start freelancing, and I started doing bits of teaching, and then I saw this course over in France in a town called Saint, which is quite focused on early music, but kind of later it does classical and romantic stuff, which I was... Mm really interested in and I yeah. it kind of meant I could sneak off to France every couple of months and do chamber music and chamber orchestra and orchestra and then uh it was just the last summer François Xavier came in and conducted one of the courses and I didn't really know it at the time but looking back it was when he was also setting up or he had already set up this yet but it was early days so I think yeah. I just it was just really lucky timing that I did that course and I think he was keen to maybe start trying some new players so I went in a few Brilliant. times and then sort of been there ever since ah <laughs> oh, that's amazing and did you feel like that alone so when you were coming back and forth did you think oh that that alone would be enough to sustain a move or were you also having to look around at different bits of work or I mean how full-time is it at Les Siecles? So Les Siecles takes about probably about half of half of my life maybe a little bit more like yeah. my working life. Um, yeah actual life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's very demanding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah they, you know that's with all the concerts and yeah. And they've got quite a lot of quite cool education stuff that I really like doing. Um, yes, so, which you do in French. Am I right in thinking that? Do you you present these concerts or these education projects in French, don't you? Sometimes. So, we, yeah, we do a mix of stuff. I That's amazing. Schools <laughs> and like, we do workshops and stuff, and that's in French. Um, wow. We do... I mean, that's really brilliant because it's so hard anyway, isn't it? To do it. <laughs> running an education project, it, it's quite. It can be quite an intimidating prospect going into a new setting anyway. But to do it in French as well, did, how did you feel doing your first one? Uh, sick, and I still do <laughs> <laughs> every time. <laughs> 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 so you're like, yeah, it'd be really good to get out of my comfort zone. And then when you're standing outside the door of like a load of teenagers, like French teenagers, oh, I'm, God. I have a moment of like doing and then I don't know do you ever hear them whispering oh I'll spiff behind yeah, my hands no. <laughs> do, <they? laughs> do you get really larry in English then in that case yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it, yeah it's a bit scary but actually even then sometimes the kids are nice like, if you say to them at the beginning I think sometimes with education stuff it helps because actually when you go in a workshop sometimes that's quite intimidating for kids to suddenly have two new people in their school environment and that are going to make them sing and dance. And I can remember when I was a kid, yeah. I probably would have hated 
some of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes when I can go in and be like, so I'm Rachel and my French isn't perfect at all. And um, so I think actually there's something it maybe makes things a bit easier because they can see that mm. it's not that easy for me. So it doesn't matter if for them they find some stuff hard. Yeah, that's great. So have you picked up lots of colloquialisms, easy for me to say, (laughs) a long way that you use? Do you you pepper your language with that now? No, I'm just, I'm not that good. Like, I just, I know a few bits. Those are always the things that are still in rehearsals now, like little expressions. I'll sometimes have to turn around to the desk partner and be like, what was that? What what did he say? You know, and it will be some weird expression that, of course, um you know of course I probably don't know what it means like whereas my (laughs) husband whose English is now just so brilliant like he's learned loads of like the really funny stuff in English like in English so yeah no there are a few but nothing like I'm no great wit in French tell us one (laughs) tell us one I want to hear actually I want a phrase that I can use next time I come and visit you yeah on the spot language um, come on okay my one of my favorite ones is when it's raining in yeah. french they say it's raining like a vache qui pisse like a vache qui pisse a, a cow that's peeing cow. everywhere okay it's a lovely a lovely expression <laughs> <laughs> how it's sort of it's not... of cats and dogs is a bit nicer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we we it's such a gift to, that we all have with, to speak English as a first language. You like, yeah. Because yeah. when you struggle linguistically, or nearly everybody can help you out because everyone understands some English. Yeah. <laughs> so, so normally, yeah, landing jokes, I've just not got it yet, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. I mean, it's a struggle in, in your native language, I find. <laughs> yes, I'm not funny in English. So. Yeah. As my mum pointed out the other day to me, oh, it's great, Verity, when you laughed on the podcast because it's like a reminder that we should laugh as well. <laughs> She's very harsh. She's very harsh on me. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks, mum. <laughs> so that, that uh, thing you did in Sant, was, was everyone else there French? No, or were there other lots of different nations? Yeah, and... it was really European. Um, yeah, and it goes. I think in it has kind of phases. So I think just sort of the luck of the draw of who applies when. But yeah. so when I was there, there was quite a big English contingent, and then quite a lot of Spanish, a couple of Italians, um, and quite a lot of French people. Uh, a couple of brass players from Sweden. It was super fun. Ah. Um, so, yeah, no, it was really international. And it was, that yeah. was really nice. It was my first experience of that, really, because I hadn't done anything like EUIO or UBO. Or, mm. So it was my first time to kind of go into a European environment. And, yeah, it was really nice. It was just... Uh, and it's it's a beautiful setting, isn't it, down there? Is it a, stunning? It's, yeah, it's a really beautiful setting. Um, I have a sort of weird relationship with it because it's also where my husband's family are like they're all from and they live there right. so I sort of stayed there and rolled around a bit drunk every so often for a couple of years and then now I have to go back <laughs> which is really lovely but it's a sort of funny mix of two worlds colliding yeah terrible flashback moments in front of the in-laws <laughs> I imagine Thank you. Um, yeah. but no, it's, it's really beautiful and it was a real it was a real escape from London sometimes it was like a little haven that I could go to it set in an old 
a sort of old abbey and its buildings and I mean it's a bit geeky but you know we just had our rehearsals and we had to practice and I didn't really have any of the stress of the London life while I was doing that so I could just sort of disappear off for a few days and try and get a bit better (laughs) at the violin um, and get more experience and meet people and yeah it was it was a really special course and a really nice way to study actually like that because yeah yeah because I'd skip I hadn't done the music college thing and I did feel like I had some catch-up to do but but you were that. extensively yeah. freelancing, weren't you, in London? Like you were going into loads of orchestras, doing lots of RPO, weren't you, and Philharmonia and things like that. And so then, did you, when you were coming back to that, having been in Sun, did it, did you feel differently towards it? Were you still enjoying it or less so? <laughs> no, I think I definitely was enjoying it, but I still, I look back on those first few years of freelancing and especially the big orchestral stuff as. It was just all a bit terrifying. Um, yeah. It's taken me a long time to work out that, I don't know, I think there's something, sometimes in the, the London orchestral scene, there's a, I, th- I think some people are really, really made for it and they're just brilliant, brilliant orchestral players. And mm. other people, I think, take a different path either to get there or to, so I think, for me, like the modern orchestral world, like I loved it and I still love it, but I still have to really learn the rep beforehand. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah, I did enjoy it, but I think I those few years, like while I was still studying part-time and was starting freelancing, I did just find it all a bit scary. Yeah, overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, a bit. <laughs> It's interesting what you were saying about that, that feeling of coming out of university rather than being at music college and, and feeling like there's some sort of, you know, like you were saying, playing catch up and stuff, because that's probably, do you think quite a lot of that, it can be sort of coming from you and it, rather than actually, I'm, you were a marvellous player always, I know, <laughs> I know for a fact, but uh, it, it, it does get in your head, doesn't it? That thing of for different reasons and I know from speaking to a few different people that thing did it take a long time to shake off that feeling yeah definitely and it took a long time for um it took a long time to think actually that that it's okay and that Mm. that you bring other stuff to your playing massively the way you've come to it and I I probably did always know that but I think because a lot of the players when they do come out of college they're they're just so, they seem so brilliant and they seem, uh, that's probably very much in my head because I'm sure they're not all feeling yeah. that. I know that now. Um, <laughs> I know, we're all terrified and have a yeah. massive imposter syndrome and stuff. But I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, it definitely took a long time to sort of think about the more positive bits of having done some other stuff first to think, okay, yeah. that, that can really add to my playing instead of it just being like, oh my God, you're a bit behind. <laughs> yeah, because of course your education would be amazing. Yeah, you, yeah just, I mean, yeah. you just, you've got a different, a different way of looking at stuff, I guess, or approaching stuff, maybe. Yeah. I find, do you find with, um, you know, if you're, if you're in a, uh, say you're playing with the RPO and you're playing some Mozart or Haydn or something, which is probably less likely than, you're more likely to be playing bigger stuff, I reckon, probably with orchestras like that. But, but that's the kind of stuff you would be playing with your French orchestras, right? Your, the, the sort of the you know early music sort of scene, or with um, 
uh, John Elliott Gardner or um, that it's a completely different mindset of playing that kind of thing. Would you, would you, would you say, I, I, I feel like, I mean, if you're in an RPO, for example, you're, you feel like a small part of a big whole. And I, I never feel like that there's a kind of um, team spirit as much as there is in, in an early music group where everyone's looking around often maybe stood up or or really you're there's just a I just, you feel like there's just much more of a it's like one organism doing the same thing together and it's less like oh it's just a jobbing musician turning up to do a thing it feels like there's much more of a family friendly team spirit I don't know would you agree with that yeah definitely I think completely different mindset yeah I I think it comes from my in my experience i think it maybe comes from a i think it comes from a mix of things like like you say they it does often feel more like a family those orchestras Mm. the period bands and i think maybe it's because a lot of them you know they've been working since the sort of 70s and 80s when the the movement really got started and yeah and so they've worked together and they started out you know these projects that and I think when you start something, I think maybe that makes something very different from a, a modern orchestra where there's a not more turnover, but people come and go, jobs, there are fixed jobs, people. Yeah. So yeah, and I and then I think there's this development that people are really they're so invested in wanting to try and get to the heart of what you know those composers want to yeah. say. That yeah, it's sort of a level of sort of real desire to to get right into the details and yeah um yeah sorry I'm not very articulate on that sorry I mean I wonder if maybe a lot yeah a lot of these orchestras started um uh from maybe residential courses or, or things like that where you you've actually lived with these people and you're uh, we, you've you've all shared bedrooms and that, and you so you really feel like Where you're, are you you're going a family. With this? <laughs> <laughs> but I'll end it there. That's, yeah, that's fine. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think people feel a bit more of a connection. Um, and oh, yeah, I mean, lots of so many orchestras have started up out of things like Ubo mm. or um, that kind of stuff. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, I just think. I think it's like, yeah, you get some really magic playing from from that mm. kind of thing. Yeah, you suddenly you hear Brandenburg Concerto in a completely different light. And you go, oh my god, there's so much energy and yeah. excitement that that you that you don't hear on. Well, I, I, I yeah, if you hear a normal British orchestra yeah. play it, do you think it's because it's small enough to everyone knows everyone else is playing and that kind of unified yeah, feeling that. Yeah, because do you feel like that now with Lacey, Lacey yeah. Eckler? Is it is that been quite a unified unit since you've been there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been it has it's funny. It talk, yeah, talking about the whole thing of um, orchestras that sort of start and grow and they grow together and they they live together. And yeah. I sort of never expected that I'd experienced that in my career, and it's it's been such a joy to, I wasn't there right at the very beginning with Lucy Eckler, but I, I think I came and they'd been going for maybe two or three years. And it, mm. um, yeah, I mean, it's nuts. There are times, it's not full time. So we get, you know, get kind of breathers from each other, which I think we all need. But it, 
it really has been like you you know growing alongside these people like musically and in your normal life like lots of us um have had children since we've been in the orchestra people have lost parents people have you know the real I don't know the, the really human stuff when that all comes together with uh, people that you're making music with it's it's really special and so yeah, yeah there is something very unifying um and yeah, it's like, I think in a way, it's a bit like the whole, when I moved to France and suddenly it's been 10 years I've been here, it's a bit the same with Les Siecles. I think sometimes we all look around and we're like, yeah, we've been all working together for a long time now. And yeah. yeah we're not taking for granted that, but yeah, we do know each other's playing really well. Um, but especially in the wind and the brass, I think they'd maybe say that, that, you know, that element of making that team of, Mm. Uh, it's a bit I think yeah very different from the string world but mm. you know they've some of them have now been sitting next to their co-partners for 10 11 12 years um yeah god it's making me feel really old can we <laughs> <laughs> I can see yeah I can see the sort of sadness on your face now <laughs> <laughs> 10, maybe 11, 12. Oh, God. I think other people used to say that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. I know. Hey, Sorry, but Seth listen. You are still much younger than us. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, he's no, looking really not, pleased, not really. isn't he? <laughs> A couple of years, not, not much. A couple, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say the freelance scene in Paris and in France in general is quite, quite different to London, isn't it? Uh, the whole setup. Just tell us a little bit about about how it is because it sounds amazing to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, it is amazing. Uh, I'm very lucky. It's uh, Sorry, whenever people ask me this question or like what it's like, I always end up getting myself in real knots uh, and saying... <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, I'll give it a go. Basically, there, <laughs> there isn't really the same kind of freelance scene in that when you do a concert, or it's very unusual to have like one-off gigs in France because everything has to go through um, an employer. Everything has to go through, you know, if somebody employs you, they have to pay lots of charges, lots of taxes to the state, right. as well as paying you. Right. So sort of the downside of that, I guess, is that there isn't that really vibrant, like gigging scene that you get in like London oh. or I think when I speak to people in America like the New York often sounds like much more similar to London you know you can mm. do one night here and then one gig somewhere else and it, that's it sort of exists but just not not so much in France um basically oh. I guess maybe because employers just to do all the paperwork for one gig it's just not worth too much um and so, so there's it no, tends to no like last minute here's 80 quid could you do this gig tonight none of that sort of stuff not really well there might be some cash gigs we don't know about but, yeah, but I, I, mean, I guess it's maybe... it all has to be booked in advance and properly signed off yeah exactly it's much it? yeah. more like that although i'm just saying, as i sorry as i say that i realize that i think for the a lot of the i don't do much modern orchestral playing in france and I think for the modern right. orchestras, there are there's a bit more of that last minute, you know, can you come and do a week with the Orchestre de Paris? Right. Or I think that exists more. Um, okay. But the one-off gigs, not so much. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so as a 
freelancer, you can have this status. You can be an intermittent de spectacle, like an spectacle person. (laughs) 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 Um, And basically, it's a kind of government scheme that's been in place for years where they it's a sort of acknowledgement that when you're freelance, you can't be working all the time. Just the nature of our job is, you know, even if you took every tour, you, you'll have clashes. It, it won't work. It, um, so I think it's an appreciation of that. It's also an, an acknowledgement that our job also involves practice and work that you have to put in that you're not paid for. So you can basically, you have to clock up a certain amount of hours work each year and you get this status and it basically means that when you're on the days you're not working the government have decided a kind of set amount of money that they give you as a kind of top up I mean it's oh now this is the bit I like what it's completely (laughs) nuts it's totally nuts um wow I remember when Julia met my husband he had this status when we were first sort of I don't know what you could dating or you know together and I just remember thinking like (laughs) God, you're so like lazy. You know, you just sit around and the government give you money. I would like from the outside, I was really like, what is this system? Now I'm there. Like it, obviously, like, it's very hard not to be like, yeah, they, I don't think it, you've got to make, you've got to be working enough to keep the status. So it doesn't yeah. breed laziness. There are yeah. probably definitely people who don't maybe use that as an excuse not to work that. Much I know. I don't know. Sorry, no, that's maybe harsh. No, but um, <laughs> are you rooting you get to them like out? October and go. Oh, I've worked. I've done it. I've got enough. Take the rest of the year off. <laughs> Is it that kind of thing? Clocked up. That's it. Nine hundred hours done. done. All done. Or, Just it is. <laughs> yeah. Pack up the case in, in the loft. <laughs> yeah. How good is that? But yeah, it's a, it, it is a mad system when you describe it to people. But it also it's it's sort of so tied up. The people that are eligible for it are musicians, freelance musicians, freelance actors, the technicians that work either in theatre or music. Mm. Um, Yeah, yeah, actors, dancers, musicians and the technicians. Mm. Um, It's great because it encourages people to stay in these industries. If you have a time which is not going so well or if you need to practice, like that's great to have that encouragement. Yeah, and it, it's incredible. And it but I think it's also really linked to the I mean it's it's a status that's always under threat. Like it's one of the many things that the French are regularly striking about every few years because mm. the government threatened to axe the system and then everyone takes to the streets as they do in France. And normally the you know it stays in place and so far so good. But it when they take to the streets, it's not in a kind of we want our money kind of way it's much more of it's seen as a kind of part of the fabric that culture is part of the fabric of France and this system supports artists and this system helps keep artists being able to work um so I think they feel kind of very proud of that system and that they when it comes under threat they will really really fight and protest um yeah but as I said not in a not in a penny pinching kind of way like they they want to defend keeping the The arts arts. brilliant and but there are some other perks aren't there as well there's a couple of other ones I just remember you telling me about it's really stuck with me about other things you get 
Sure. As a freelancer. It's something to do with swimming pools and galleries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> When you've got this status, because it's as safe as that, because there are patches when you're not working, the way the government run it is that it basically counts as an unemployment benefit. Um, and so as part of that, you also get free entry to swimming pools and all the art galleries. I love is, that. Because all the art galleries <laughs> in France, you have to pay them, often quite expensive. So That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, yeah completely bonkers. You can go swimming, go to galleries, and be a professional musician in class. <laughs> like, go and have That's a amazing. wash and get some culture <laughs> yeah. and then come back, get your lippy on, get out there, girl. Have a wash, <laughs> see some pictures, it'll do you good, and then off you go to work. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. I want to move to France. Yeah, me too. That sounds, that's great. <laughs> you got much space in your flat in Lille? <laughs> yeah, you don't, want to, you don't want to come here right now. It's chaos. <laughs> 
Mm. It's a, no, yeah, just nice atmosphere. It seemed like there was a lot of art going on there, lots of concerts and stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone... We don't know it very well yet. I mean, we really picked it because we were, like, you know, close to London, close to Belgium, close to Paris, and way mm. cheaper than Paris was our kind of... <laughs> that was the kind of <laughs> short version of why we've come here. Um, and a lot of people say, you know, it's a bit friendlier, it's a bit smaller than Paris. And for me, a massive draw was the culture because there's yeah. loads going on. It's got some really great galleries. Um, it's also got, because it's a ta- it's a city that had loads of industry, they're doing loads of renovation of old factory buildings and there are galleries um, in those buildings. And then musically, there's the, well, there's the Orchestre National de Lille, who are a really great modern orchestra. And oh, there's cool. also a concert d'astre with Manuel Haim. They sort of oh, yeah. live in well, no, yeah, no. live in Lille. They'll sometimes rehearse in Paris, but Lille's very much their, their home. Yeah. So yeah, it feels like there's a lot going on. There's a, it's a big university. Yeah, we just need to unpack the boxes and go and discover it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out, have a look around. Yeah. Because your his uh, your MA is in art history, isn't it, Rachel? Is that right? It is. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's cool. Well, I mean, that must have been a bit of a draw for you then, coming over to France with Galleries A Go-Go. Galleries A Go-Go, yeah. I mean, although you just, once you've lived in London and all those museums and all those galleries Mm. are free. I mean, I know they're now free for me because of the stakes I have here, but living in a country (laughs) where art galleries are free, that is something that is just so amazing. And probably one of the things I miss the most, that, yeah, that thing in London, Mm. you can just, go into the British Museum for half an hour. Yeah. And then, yes. I mean, it's, yeah, what, it's it's, I think that's one of the most amazing things in the UK. Yeah. And I wish the whole world was like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's flipping brilliant. I, Did you manage to get all the way around the Louvre while living in Paris? No. No. <laughs> so even, even in 10 years, it's not possible. No, I mean... It's so big. <laughs> yeah, it's just so big. It's so big. <laughs> Also, I like, I'm really rubbish. I go back to, whenever I go there, I go back to like my favourite bits. I mean, it's how stupid is that? Mona Lisa, right? you got to see yeah. the Mona Lisa. <laughs> every time, every time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The gift shop. <laughs> yeah, love that bit. I don't, also, I feel like, like the Louvre is amazing, but because it's often quite busy, it's not the one in Paris where I'd be like, yeah, I'll no. go there. Like, there are other ones that I've discovered, like the Musée d'Orsay and... Oh, I love it yeah. there. The Musée Cordin. Yes. I think probably my favourite favorite place. The Picasso Paris. exhibition as well. It's amazing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, they've redone it in the last years and it's such a beautiful space. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, oh. spoil, spoil everywhere. <laughs> I took the boys to the National Gallery recently because you can book little slots to just go in and have uh, for the reduction of numbers of people going in. They've got time slots. Oh my God, it was so good. I really love going back there because I always said to myself, when I'm in London, I'm going to try and make the most of being going to all these galleries that are free and everything. And yeah. just you don't, do you? Because life gets in the way. <laughs> I thought, right, now's the time. <laughs> There's a pandemic. I'll go now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no work. After the yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's lovely because they've got three different routes round. So, so I managed to keep interest with the boys for like two rooms. Cool. So what did they not, like? What did you like? They like. Do you know the ugly old woman? Have you seen that one? The Picasso. No, who is it? Oh, no. it's like a. It's a. Is it a Renaissance? It's called something like Portrait of an Ugly Woman. Is it a Jura, maybe. 
Oh like, god, I feel I terrible. Know. I should find this out. Oh, no, I'm no, gonna no, fact I, I, check this. Now I think I can see it in my head. Yes. Yeah. I'll just Google it. I'll Google do. it. Do. Yeah. It's, it yeah. It, yeah, do it. it it's Ugly like a woman. Yeah, it's like an old lady who sort of forced herself into a corset and things and looks like like a, trying to dress like a young woman, they say. <laughs> Oh, God, maybe that's uh, me. Oh, the Ugly Duchess. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quentin Matsis. Okay. There we yeah. are. The, it's the Ugly Duchess. Yeah. Wow. That yeah. looks like something out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like an orc. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> well, I've never seen that before. That's incredible. Well, they were captivated by... <laughs> Quentin <laughs> Matsis. They also like the one um, of the beheading of, of one of Henry VIII's wives. There's a, that massive portrait of it. Uh, is it Anne of Cleves, possibly? God, I'm doing terribly with facts today. Oh, <laughs> worse than usual. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they like that I, as well. Uh, <laughs> I went recently. I had, I had, like, a couple of hours off uh, in town, so I popped in. Oh. And what did you I see? I just love all the... I love the Impressionism stuff. I always get drawn to that. Yeah. That kind of thing. Um, like um, you've got your yeah, Rembrandt. Is that Impressionism? That's, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Is it, what's Rembrandt? Is that it? post-Impressionism? No. He's a bit earlier, Rembrandt, is Rembrandt, quite uh, earlier than that. Mm. Uh, oh, not Rembrandt. Renoir. 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 <laughs> Renoir. <laughs> yeah. oh, Same Renoir thing, Ren something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Renoir. Oh, like, Renoir, I love Renoir. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a test, and, Rachel. Surah, I know he's pointillist. Yeah. Would you call that impressionist still? Was that an uh, yeah, offshoot? Not, that was never really my. Wasn't what I studied, so I don't really. Yeah, what did you? What was your area of expertise? What is your area of what, expertise? <laughs> not was. was. So I'm sure it's still there. Um, <laughs> what did I do? So I, I, sort of, I sort of did two years about history. One of them was my last year at uni because you can you could change subject, and I'd kind of hit the end of the road with the music course um and then sort of changed all the courses I wanted to do and I had I'd sort of been thinking about it for a while and I thought yeah okay I'm gonna do it and so my last year at uni I had to do four I had to do a history of art history so that's all the sort of the theory the art history theory right course about Jura so the renaissance um painter and engraver and the teacher for that it's not necessarily the art that I love the most but the teacher was just so incredible Uh, I did a surrealism course which I loved uh, and then I had a dissertation to write and then my master's was uh, in Greek ancient Greek and Roman uh, wow art history it's a massive joke in my family that because you have to do quite a big (laughs) dissertation for that I was still looking at the crossover between Roman and such geekery on this podcast. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Uh, My my master's dissertation, it's like the family joke because it was about imagery and how in like fourth century Britain it changed from paganism to Christianity and how that was done in images. But one of the things that I ended up having to study is there's loads of silverware from that period. <laughs> and uh so basically like my parents were like, 
So we're paying quite a lot of money in Peter Masters, and you're looking at pictures of spoons all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like got great expertise. <laughs> it's a weird subject. There's a reason not many people study that particular <laughs> bit of... <laughs> no, it's niche, for sure. Niche, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did get very excited. My dad called me in great excitement just before lockdown because they discovered in Berkshire a massive like Roman mosaic underground, like when they were doing some but that obviously Who's, like that. And your then, dad so did. They, they were doing some um <laughs> uh they were doing some archaeology stuff. And yeah. uh, they dug up a uh what do you call it? Yeah, like a big mosaic on the ground. Oh <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, that's, that's where my geekery kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Is I think that a big area for the Romans, that, that bit, Berkshire? I don't know. I was looking this up recently. I was, um, I was just thinking about how the, the roads in London, how they're all laid out. And it's basically kind of, amongst other things, but basically like Roman roads. Is it? So that's why... Because I always wonder why all the roads go slightly northwest. You know, when you they all kind of go that way, like Edgware Road yeah. and and the A10. It's all that. But I think it's because Edgware Road that that road goes up to well Edgware, but I think it goes to like St Albans. Oh. I think, and I think the A10. Well, that kind of goes, and maybe that's more north. That goes to Cambridge, I think. Basically, I might have got that wrong, but they go to these big Roman towns. Yes, I see what you're and saying. Then, yeah. And you had Colchester, that was a big yeah. one. Yeah. Um, See, this uh, is it. Now that you're waking up at funny hours of the night uh, with a baby, yeah. this is the kind <laughs> yeah. of weird thought processes you're having. It's a little insight yeah. into your mind at the moment, it's isn't brilliant. it? When you've got one hand free, you're holding a baby yeah. and a bottle with your left hand, yeah. and you're just Googling. Roman Road. What, what was the Romans? Roman Road. <laughs> You can come back to me. You can tell me how many roads yeah. in Berkshire are Roman the next time we chat. <laughs> all right, I will. Yeah, yeah. It's all the straight ones. Yeah. So. <laughs> Give me some late night Googling. Forget the coldy sacks. They, they didn't do that. <laughs> Our kids are five and three. Um, and as... I think it's quite usual. This is what we're telling ourselves. We're telling ourselves it's usual that they both speak. They, well, Charlotte spoke really late and that Elliot is about to go to school and can barely put two words together. And lots of people are like, oh, it's the bilingual thing. And we're like, it's that or they're a bit stupid. Um, so, <laughs> like, we'll see. Um, but because, yeah, because the language comes maybe a bit later, yeah. uh, it's only now, like, I'd say in the last year or so, Charlotte really, she started to speak English to me because we had a year or so when they go to school really young in France, they go at three. Um, and so for the first two years of school, she would come home and she'd speak to me in French, which used to do my nut in a bit. But also, you know, she was starting school. She, that's a lot to deal with anyway. So yeah. you don't really want to mm. be hounding them. But I do remember sort of losing my shit a bit with her one day because she was sort of babbling at me and I just couldn't, couldn't quite get what she was trying to tell me. And eventually I was like, Charlie, you've got to speak to me in English. <laughs> and so I think that, and then lots of time when my mum came over for a bit and spent a few days helping out while I was on tour, when probably about a year and a half ago, 
and suddenly I came back and it had just she'd had a massive um like breakthrough and so the mannerisms things I'm beginning to see them now I see little like just suddenly say things that sound really English or that yeah. she's heard maybe my grandparents like my parents say so I think yeah. she said to me that she went golly gosh and I was like that's brilliant really English somehow yeah, yeah. But, not um, only English but like Jane Austen I love yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's, but it's amazing for them that they're going to have this duo, a dual culture. You know, so brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they are lucky, and it, I think, yeah, I found learning French so hard. So I'm really glad that they hopefully will have those two languages sort of sorted. Yeah. But it is, um, yeah, I find it weird that my my mum was introduced, like when I was over in England, introduced the kids to one of her friends. You know, like bumped into them in town. I was like, oh, and here they are, the, the French grandchildren. And I, and I was outraged. I was like, they're not French, they're half English. Like, <laughs> I pushed them out, they're half English, these kids. But, I, you know, I tried to get them over to England as much as possible. They were like a big mm. team of cousins. And yeah, yeah no, yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll move back at some point so they get a bit of that, like a proper bit of English life, I think. It's hard, it's yeah. hard to know what to do for that yeah maybe you need to like really overcompensate and like from your perspective really hammer in loads of english because <laughs> because they're surrounded by french otherwise aren't they so yeah no, i really Eng- <laughs> show them like england like replays of football matches or something <laughs> yeah, or, exactly or before they go to bed at night play it's coming home it's coming <laughs> home yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Top gear. Well, um, cause, yeah, <laughs> the most English thing there is. Um, yeah. my, my wife was, uh, was, her dad's French and her mum's English. But they, she grew up in, in England, and but she doesn't speak French at all. She, Blimey. Like, uh, it, so it, I, I don't know why, because they, the, her parents speak French to each other. And oh, really? I don't know how, it just didn't, it didn't work out. It didn't, they didn't. Well, they just got four siblings. Uh, there's four of them. Do okay. any of the others uh, siblings, and they don't speak. Really? No, only what they learn at school. Really. Do they so understand? Because so, I know quite a lot of people that can understand everything, but sometimes the speech is not. Not really. I, I mean, only in the way that if you've done a bit of school, it's that kind of understanding. Okay. So, so I think, I think maybe you do have to just lean towards the, 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 not the you know the, whatever's not. You know, they're not being surrounded by otherwise yeah. then because it it, it it doesn't say i i think they didn't make a conscious conscious effort to really bring them up bilingual which which is a shame because that's like a basically like a free language isn't it if you yeah. can do that yeah. from an early age yeah. um yeah i don't I, know I, i'm no expert at all i, I think i'm do. definitely in there like <laughs> currently in like an overcompensating phase as yeah. well. so like i use lockdown to be like right charlotte is going to learn to read in french in english yes. <laughs> and i like, every time i like, Reading oh, time. Damn, reading time. Oh, I mean, she, she's just going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, if I can find a, a nice balance, forcing <laughs> it, yeah. it down her throat every day. <laughs> hey, I've seen footage of you broadcasting in France on TV, and it's brilliant. You're so good yes. at it. Oh, How did this come about, Rachel? <laughs> um. So I haven't done a lot of it. 
Yeah, um, it came about because I've got a lovely friend and colleague who works for Metro Television. And quite a few years ago, he'd said they sometimes need somebody to do the English voice. Um, and again, that also caused great hilarity in my family because <laughs> that was off camera. So they were like, yeah, well done, Rachel. Absolute face for radio. So yeah, I've done quite a few uh, live broadcasts with him when he can't be in the hall, maybe because of the rights reasons or... Uh, so we record from a, we've got the, I'm describing this so badly, we've got the live broadcast in front of us on a screen in the studio in Paris and we do all the intros and outros and he does them in French and I did them in English, but that was all off camera. And then this year they just, they wanted to try a new format and so uh, we did some stuff on camera and it, yes. yeah, it came together a bit, all kind of quite hastily, um, they said, you know, would you be up for it? I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you yeah. look really pro. Like it doesn't really? look like you've just started. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I think that's fantastic. Do you, would you like to do more of that kind of thing? I did. I really enjoyed it. It was a real, um, yeah, I do get a real buzz. Even when I was just doing the off camera stuff, I always used to come out of the studio being a bit like, oh, that was so fun. Cause it's a bit like, the stuff we did in the off-camera stuff, it's really like being in an orchestra. I found it like you've got your text and you're kind of trying to look ahead, but you've got to concentrate on other stuff. And, you know, it was, yeah, yeah, I just found it really fun. Um, the the on-camera stuff I found, I did really enjoy it. It was terrifying. Um, yeah. So no, it's it as live then, is it? It wasn't live. So that was oh. great. Um, it was a good first one to do. But even then, I didn't want to I didn't, I didn't be the idiot that turned up and, you know, <laughs> they're like, don't worry, we can do extra takes if you need it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't want to be the person that made everyone stay an extra four hours because <laughs> I can't get my words out or... <laughs> Like when we do intros and outros on this and we have to keep starting (laughs) because I can't say my own name. (laughs) The ones that got me were the, there was one bit of the broadcast was about some concerts that they were doing from China. It's going to sound awful, but just, I just could not keep the Chinese names in my head. (laughs) Every time I would just, you know, this roll of syllables would just like fall out of my mouth and they'd be like, no. And again, and, again. <laughs> and at the end, Tom was like, I, you know, that all went really well today, but I don't think you're ever going to be a correspondent in Beijing. <laughs> but, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> yeah. What's the guy like that you're working with on those? He's great. He's um, he's an extremely talented man and has this incredible kind of double life of a very talented bassoonist and a journalist and he writes a lot and he oh. presents on the radio a lot and works for Metso, the TV channel. Um, so yeah, no, it's, he's, he's a friend as well. He's a friend and a colleague. So we know each other quite well. So that helped, I think, Perfect. to make it a bit, a bit more relaxed. I think if I had to go and do that with a stranger, I would have <laughs> seen him lose crying too scared to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Partridge style. <laughs> <laughs> they were all very nice and uh, patient so Uh, Verity sent me through something and are you filming it in front of a green screen at the moment Um, do you know what it was meant 
to be a green screen, but I think it was a blue screen. Is that right? Oh, blue screen. Mm, there you go. Screen. I, yeah. I only know the that time. They, said, they were like, you're not allowed to wear blue unless it's a great outfit, which I didn't oh. take. And oh. then I, like, oh, I could have worn it. But yeah, yeah, we were in a studio <laughs> and then it was because yeah. of the whole COVID thing. The, the Fête de la Musique is a big weekend in France when normally it would be like live music everywhere in the streets all over France. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but obviously that was not an option this year. So they did a kind of archive of no, no. Um, old concerts and a kind of tour of the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Have you got some more coming up with them? Not at the moment. We're going to kind of, yeah, wait and see. I think obviously if they do stuff like that, it's more expensive to have two presenters mm. and that kind of stuff. I don't think it'll, not sure it'll be something I'll do loads and loads of, but if oh, there's, great. you know, if some more comes up, I'll be really, really happy to do it. <laughs> you should get yourself on the proms, to be honest, Rachel. I thought, yeah, you could do it. Tell the yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If there's one thing we love on this podcast, it's a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> so far. Yeah, we love them. We, I mean, the, the campaigns usually last maybe one tweet yeah. and then that's... Yeah, maximum of two posts. And we never see them through. But well, we'll add your campaign to that. I was a big fan of what was it? Was it Charlotte Harding that wanted to? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. She wanted to play this play. Uh, um, not last action hero, local, local hero. hero yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, we've got a campaign on for the that, saxophone. <laughs> well, well done, Rachel. You've just doubled the amount that we <laughs> put into that campaign. That's great. <laughs> Hashtag get. Uh, what was it, oh, Charlotte? Lo- Charlotte Harding, set. local hero, wasn't it? Hashtag <laughs> Charlotte like Harding, local hero. <laughs> <laughs> and yours could be hashtag rounders for the proms. It's <laughs> good. Sounds good, but it might lead to a whole different line of, of yeah, what's going to happen. Not gonna <laughs> go well for anybody. <laughs> Smashing a ball around the Albert Hall is quite a different yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Might be that better than I play the violin. Who knows? <laughs> shush now, shush. <laughs> and the other string to your bow, oh, that was naff, is... Um, <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> your journal, you've got a line in journalism now as well, haven't you? You've just been studying journalism. Um, and are you in the midst of it? Are you still... So- and yeah, how's that going? Yeah, <laughs> it might feel like years that I've been talking to you about it. It's because I'm really slow. Um... <laughs> Yeah, basically. Yeah, the the presenting and it's all, for me, it's all kind of part of the same um, the same thing. That yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think like many of us do when we're freelancing and stuff. It's the most amazing job in the world. But you're, I, don't, I have moments where I get a bit frustrated that I feel as though I'm just playing aside all the amazing education stuff that you can sometimes feel a bit as though you're just playing to loads of really well-off people who are having a lovely time coming to concerts I know that's the audiences it is changing a lot and a lot's changing in the way we present concerts and stuff but I sometimes get a bit frustrated with that element mm. of our lives and so I was sort of looking around thinking what else could I do that it's a different way of kind of communicating about the arts, basically, because I, I just think the arts are so important and yeah. great, but you can sometimes feel a bit like playing concerts. To, concerts maybe isn't the only way to do stuff. So uh, 
it's sort of I sort of done it backwards, like with the um, the stuff that Anton asked me to do some presenting first. You know, that's now maybe changing into doing some bits of on-screen stuff. And uh, I was asked to write some articles, which I did, and I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed like interviewing people and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but then I was also like, just didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I didn't know what was on the record, what's off. You know, I just literally was just a bit flailing around in the dark. So I was like, I need to take this in hand if I want to do a bit more of this. And yeah, I'm doing a part-time journalism, written journalism course. But it's just, just taking really? me, I think I've got two years to complete it and I will be up against it. I'm so slow. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe some of the... The course and stuff, it's just the journalism thing. I, I think I'm sometimes uh, a bit better at playing the violin if I've got other stuff to do. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, maybe. Well, it sort of makes you reappreciate things, doesn't it? I think like doing doing something completely different makes you come back I mean even this ruddy pandemic made me realize how much I miss playing and how much I love doing that but at any time you start doing something else it sort of really gives you an appreciation for for what you do doesn't it to come completely. back to think how lucky we are yeah, yeah we do we do the best job best job yeah. what world, do you reckon right? Seb Seb's looking like mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> no I, I I agree I I, I <laughs> I never like just sitting still and, and being like, oh, done. I'll just just watch telly for the rest of the day. I, I'm no. always thinking of other projects and starting new things. And yeah. 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 No, just it, it, I'm, I, I've always got projects in my mind and I'm always very optimistic and think, oh, I'll yeah. do that. I'll do that. Big dreams. And then just, they, they don't always come off or I'll lose interest, but I've, I've always got things and it always makes you appreciate come back to your playing or or, or whatever it is um, yeah i've been really yeah, impressed by listening to you guys on the podcast listening to all of your like the different stuff that you do like it oh like it's really you. interesting because like, it comes up in nearly every podcast at some point they different <laughs> different <Yeah. laughs> no but like, everyone's doing different stuff like and i think it's kind of the nature of how how hard the music business is like we've all got to do other stuff but yeah. then I don't know, like yeah. you're listening to all these people and like when you're talking about your work, so there's so much of, it's so varied and so many different things going on and you too, mm. you've got so much. Mine tend to cool. centre around yeah. wine, don't they, the other the other things. Like uh, Seb's got things like composition <laughs> and um, <laughs> writing writing something big, all these things, learning different instruments <laughs> yeah. and, and mine very much comes back to learning about wine. <laughs> That's great. We all need a friend who knows loads about wine. (laughs) (laughs) Too right. (laughs) But I think that's 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 what's interesting with this with this podcast is how uh, you know a lot of people um, have gone through like music college or they've learned music in in other avenues, um, maybe quite a standardised way of learning. But then everyone's gone off and then split open and <laughs> split open uh, they, they've gone off on their own path and um and they're doing something very specific and um and, and interesting or, or they're doing loads of different things and i don't know i i just think that's that's what's really interesting and yeah. that music scene is just just so huge and there's so much you can do yeah um under that umbrella Absolutely. i'm also i don't know do you find i always find there are some orchestras where you go in and then you discover like more and more people that have like amazing sort of second lives and other careers. And yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. In ORR, I think, there's an orchestra that is so amazing for that. There were these people that, and they do so, like, you know, like there were a couple of people, I had no idea that they're also like part time, full on therapists and uh, other people that run charities on the side. Oh, this, I don't know, it kind of blows your mind a bit, really. Yeah, totally. Mm. It just must be the yeah. the nature of. I suppose if you go into music, you've got to be quite a highly motivated person, haven't you, to kind of get this far down the line in music. <laughs> so I guess that's the thing. I suppose when you then go into the profession, if you do have bits of time which are quieter, it's really hard, isn't it? It's like, right, what, what now? What do I do now? <laughs> got to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> we don't earn much in this yeah. job, so you know, got to find a million ways to try and keep the head above water. <laughs> There we go. There she goes. Thanks, Rachel. Off into Lille, hopefully exploring her new city. <laughs> yeah. Checking out all those galleries and piscines. Uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I'd love that. Wouldn't it be good if we got that free entry to swimming pools because we were freelancers? Yeah. And obviously paid on our days off, which I mean, to some extent, mm. we are at the moment, aren't we? <laughs> kind <laughs> or of. Or some of us. Yeah. <laughs> some of us yeah. are. Yeah. Mm, I yeah. I'm not sure if that style of um, employment uh, support and all that is going to come to us over here. Oh, I suspect it's not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It does sound good though. Yeah. I like the idea of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, it's yeah. great that she could spare us time during all this because, I mean, mm. she's literally just moved, hasn't she? She was yeah. in boxes, I think. Well, she wasn't in the box as far as I could see, but there were boxes around her. It's got her. good acoustic properties, cardboard yeah. boxes, so it was perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, what, uh, that's it, really. Yeah, we had a good, it was a good chat. Thanks, Rachel. Um, yeah, cheers. Cheers. And, um, well, what, uh, what what do we talk about now? We talk about... Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you remember you, how we used to do this? Can you remember? Yeah, what do we do? <laughs> Oh, how, what have you done oh, no. this week? That's oh. what we usually do. What have you done this yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> well, what have you been doing? You've been, um, you, you've very been to the seaside, suntanned. Do yeah, I? You have. Mm. Oh, red. You're I mean, red. Yeah, yeah. I think could I, be sandblasted. Slapping myself in the face, waking myself up. <laughs> yeah, I have a bit. It's it's you that sea. Oh, thanks. It's the sea tan, isn't it? I was yeah. running down the promenade at Eastbourne it was lovely I had to because we ate so much that literally it's getting to the point now that if I don't start exercising I would have to be rolled out of the house it's appalling yeah. <laughs> that was very oh, nice, nice though yeah how about you uh yeah good thanks yeah um mm-hmm. I well um I had to, um my, my family have been a bit, a bit sad this week because we uh, we lost we lost my nan oh, uh, that's so sad. Um, but she was she was 95 years old uh but amazing amazing life and and we had a it was it was a really nice few weeks um at the end of her life because we we all knew it was that it was going to come yeah so we could all all see her a lot and say bye and all yeah. that so it's been still a bit of a strange time but um and but, so brilliant uh, that she could meet your little girl isn't that lovely yeah i know it was Aww. it was really it was great we we went down when when our baby was only like three days old mm. to to see her because we thought it could be the only time 
Yeah. And uh, and yeah, and we we even you know we we named her her middle name is the same middle name as my nan, oh. which became which was what she was actually known as Pearl. Yeah. That was her her name. So um oh. so yeah so that that was um it's been a yeah it's been a strange few weeks but um oh I'm sorry to hear that you know, that's rotten. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, but it it's the it is amazing that the the circle of life yeah. right there isn't it the the are you gonna say oh i would love to yeah hey <laughs> i think i've just woken the baby up yeah i'll uh, get my the wooden flute out <laughs> um Aww. yeah so there we go that's what i've been doing this week um yeah but it's been yeah. it's been nice chat, you know. Keep you know the family all sort of chatting together and yeah. uh, going through it together. It's it's um it's a very bonding experience. Yeah, that is um, good. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so this is uh, well, well, three cheers. To, not three, just do one. Okay, I'll, just, I'll do a cheer. Uh, do one cheer yeah. to uh, Josephine Pearl Naylor. Hooray! Ah, <laughs> so, there we go. Uh, and yeah. Don't know, but not not really been up to much. No. life just goes past really quickly, doesn't it? it now it really the, does. The days like when we were trying to work out what day we'd spoken to <laughs> Rachel on, no clue, no clue of days. No anymore. idea. Yeah, it's uh, it's now autumn, so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's weird. Yeah, it is. I felt the heated floor was on in the bathroom when I went in just now. That oh, was posh. oh god, it's posh. That is our one concession <laughs> to poshness in this house. I'm so glad we got it. It's a delight. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the boys go back to school this week as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that yeah. good? You look very happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I look. I know how exhausted I look on this chat today, but <laughs> this time next week, I'm going to be like ten years will have dropped off my age, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. And no, we're, we're good. doing some. Uh, we've got a recording tomorrow, haven't we? Oh, that's, yes. That we're, we're doing in person. Oh, right. God, that's brilliant. Yes, that right? we are. Yeah, we are. I can't wait. So, yeah, we haven't we haven't done one of those um since what like February or eight, January yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying, trying to think because I think the last time I saw you was in mid March in a McDonald's oh, yeah. car park somewhere off in like the one by, by like bow bow roundabout. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, so that's nice, isn't it? It was like the last day we could like meet up and like yeah. exchange a microphone. It's like right. Look after yourself. Quit taking a run for your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Armageddon so began from there. We're going to do it. We're going to someone's yes. house tomorrow and we're going to sit around the table yeah. with some microphones, as we always planned it was going to be. I can't wait. I think it's going to be brilliant to be in the yeah. same room. Amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah, right. And that's going to come out next week. Yes, it is. And they're great guests. You'll blooming love they. them. <gasps> oh. Mm. Yeah, they. That, are we doing two two people or three? I think we're doing three, and who knows? Wow. A couple more of them might drop in <gasps> anyway. I know it's great. So at least five in a bar. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's my kind of bar. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be a kitchen diner, to be honest. But, yeah, um, yeah, true enough. <laughs> but there we go. Uh, well, it's very exciting. So, yeah. um, well, uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, thanks for getting this far into the podcast and getting this far into the series we're 21 episodes down now yeah um, and uh well we're gonna do some more we'll do more than that we'll, yeah we will at least, we'll... at least a few few thousand 
Yeah, yeah. Unlike our campaigns, we will yeah. stick with this. <laughs> we'll try to. Although maybe that's a curse now. No, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, have a great week, everyone. And uh, as always, like and subscribe and all that stuff. Leave a review, share it, share this stuff. That'd be great. And uh, see you next week. Bye. All right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.